0: Hey everyone, meet Kevin here. Today we are going to be talking about Lucid Motors and the potential, or really hopeful at this point, merger with the SPAC, ticker symbol CCIV. Lucid Motors is a stock that I have called the potential Neo to Tesla in China, except Lucid Motors has already a facility here in Arizona that's expected to manufacture up to 30,000 vehicles. Hopefully by the end of this year, they expect to deliver their first vehicles, by June, July of this year. And to help them get there, they want to raise some capital by going public. And this might be an opportunity to start investing into a company that could be the next, well, Tesla. Who knows? We'll see. To help me figure this out, I am bringing on an amazingly deep diving creator, uh, Alex Cutler. He's got some incredible insights, not only on Lucid, but a bunch of different EVs, the entire EV sector. And I've got a lot of questions for him. So if you're interested in EVs, making money from electric vehicle stocks, this is going to be one you want to watch all the way through. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. We have to have you in here. Welcome aboard. Tell us about yourself. Thank you very much. I appreciate
1: it. Uh, thank you, me, Kevin. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, my name is Alex Cutler, Alex Cutler247 on Twitter, as well as on YouTube. What I do is I am um, prior military. And while I was in the military, I was a meteorologist as well as data anal- analyst. And what I did throughout that time frame helped me basically translate into researching as well as investing, uh, investing into the stock market. Now, what I do right now for Twitter is I do research, do re- deep dives into investor presentations, well as companies' financials, and make sure to see on my quick uh, little guide on if that company is worth investing to. And I provide information to my following because truthfully, like me, Kevin has said in the past, we have seen from Nikola and plenty of other EV plays that really don't stack up to the likes of Tesla and really just collapse. So we're trying to do that for the future to invest into good companies that have the infrastructure, the leadership, the financials to ha- make it happen. And we go through those guidelines and make sure to invest correctly.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so w- were you like a spy in the military? Is that what gave you all <laughs> these tricks?
1: <laughs> no, 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 I I was a meteorologist throughout my timeframe for the m- military. Uh, what I do now is just, i learned over time, I've been uh, investing as well as trading for the last two years. And uh, it's been, help- been, I've been successful for, ever since, so.
0: Oh, nice. So, uh, Lucid, you know, they've got this rumored SPAC here, partnership with CCIV. Uh, A lot of folks are wondering, look, Kevin, what what if I invest in CCIV and this partnership doesn't happen? You know, this is just a rumored partnership. We haven't even had a confirmed partnership yet, let alone the merger actually get voted on and happening. What are the risk factors to people investing in CCIV and and what makes you so confident that this merger is happening?
1: Well, right now, the, the risk factor is because everyone's on the minds that you don't have an LOI, a letter of antenna or a definitive agreement right now. It's mm-hmm. all in negotiations, but in deep negotiations. The biggest thing is when it comes to CCIV, as well as uh, Churchill Capital, is the fact that when you look into potential investing into a SPAC, you look at the leadership, you look at the connections between the leadership to the potential company. And if you look at Churchill Capital 4 from uh, Michael Klein to Andrew Livers to Peggy Johnson to uh, Alan Malayli they're all connected to Saudi Arabia, they're connected to Lucid and they have major connections between not only there, but um, obviously the public investment health fund, um, public investment fund in Saudi Arabia. So um, you just look at the connections and you trust in the investigation as well as the research. And truthfully, you just buy right when we started doing the investing. I told my people about it around eleven, eleven sixty, eleven seventy five, 1160, 1175. And we dropped all the DA as well as the research. And you just have confidence in the connection and the research.
0: Nice. Okay. Got it. And, and so um, what, uh, I mean, 11, I mean, this was potentially even before the Bloomberg article. What what got you in uh, that early? Because I think the Bloomberg article brought this thing from like 13 up.
1: So uh, actually it it was right after the Bloomberg call. So when the Bloomberg dropped on oh, the terminal, wow. it dropped all, all the way up to, it popped up all the way to $13, dollars thirteen forty, dollars And then everyone started like, Questioning it, questioning it, even I did. But the thing is, is that when when it questioned, there was a massive sell off and it dropped all the way down to 1120, 1135. And then I started to d- dig deep into the company really quickly and I saw Michael Klein, Andrew Livers, and I knew that those were like Andrew Livers is the connection between Churchill Capital and Lucid. And then I said, okay, this is it. This is a big connection there. Definitely buy in because there's going to be a lot of connections there and uh, people are going to realize what this is. And then now we're we reached all the way up to thirty five bucks, and the public continues to know it, and even more credible resources from the LA Times to uh, Investor Place, connect connecting the dots. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're you're lining up these dots, but what gave you the confidence to say this is a buy, you know, right after that article came out, uh, as opposed to, you know, taking the time to maybe dig even deeper, like, you must have seen some signs really early on to say, Oh, my gosh, lucid CCAV. Yep, going in. What, What tell me more about that? Like, what was that that process like for you? Well, the process for me, um,
1: I, I have some following followers, uh, well, I follow them as well, is a SPAC guru as well as Stock mm-hmm. Talk Weekly and as well as SPAC Track. Uh, when a SPAC co- comes online and IPOs, you look at the leadership, you look at the connections, you look at the sector that they're looking at, and then you connect the docs kind of prior to that. And they said there was a, a rumor that was in December that this was a potential. And then when I looked into it even more, and I've been watching Lucid for the last three to four years myself, as soon as this came online that they were potentially talking, I was like, this this, this can't be true. This is way too good of a lineup. So when I looked into it, I saw the Bloomberg terminal image and I saw that it was confirmed for that that was not unedited. It was time to jump in because the leadership was already impacted. So it's been online since uh, December of last year. And then obviously they were in talks of DirecTV, which they're not happening anymore. They're not the front runners. And then Lucid dropped. And this is this is the only EV play, other than the likes of Arrival or Lion Electric, that I really love right now. Um, and this could be the the next c- competitor of Tesla. I know that you're a big investor of Tesla, and you I believe in their infrastructure as well. But the thing is that this is the only American-based EV company that can really compete
0: with Tesla. And and why do you think that is? I mean, if if they're gonna you know, manufacture maybe up to 300,000 i I'm sorry, 30,000 vehicles this year. Uh, How do we uh, go from, you know, 30,000 vehicles in the United States to even getting remotely close to, you know, Fremont for Tesla, just one gigafactory. That's probably Mm going to be at what 700,000 this year. Uh, How, Mm -hmm. how do we compare these two? I mean, that's, uh, that's 20, you know, 22, 23 X. What, -hmm. what, uh, what uh, Lucid's doing Uh, you know, do they even have a chance to break into this market? So the
1: big difference between Tesla as well as Lucid is that um, at the beginning, when, when Tesla came onto the market, they were focusing on the, the, the overall consumer. They were not just focusing on one pure market. Mm-hmm. What Lucid is going and they're going after the luxury brand. They're going after because there's not really a company that's going straight for the luxury. Um, Tesla's going for the overall consumer where the prices go all the way up to $121,000, I believe, for the Tesla Model S. Um, but right. the thing is, is that what Lucid's plan is, is to generate revenue and have one of the best, most high-quality comp- like EV vehicles in the luxury brand to battle with the likes of Mercedes, BMW, and you name it. But what I'm saying is what makes makes Lucid different. It's not the fact that they're going to be a direct competitor at Tesla at the beginning. It's going to be five years down the road. What makes them different is that they already have the the factory already built up phase one in uh, Casa, Casa Grande, Arizona, and which gives them capacity of forty thousand vehicles. Now they have a plan to go into mm-hmm. like. Complete phase four, which is going to expand from a 1.1 mi- square feet, uh, 1.1 million square feet to 5.1 million square feet, uh, as well in uh, Casa Grande, which will get in the capacity of 400,000 vehicles per year, as well as they will be expanding internationally in Saudi Arabia um, in the soon near future. And we saw how quick they were to building their factory in Arizona; they built it in yeah. nine months. I expect the Saudi Arabians. <sighs> to put even more money into them to make this happen because when they invest into a company they're not going to let it fall so that's what makes them really incredible different
0: yeah and that makes me so interested because the saudi arabian uh you know the private investment fund they, they've done some you know pretty big moves i mean they at basically the bottom of the market uh they were declaring hey we're going all into uh, carnival you know and it, i mean what's carnival at now let's see uh, uh ccl i was about to type cciv too i mean they've easily <laughs> doubled their money on carnival since their investment here but uh you know so, th- so they really come across as these this aggressive fund They're not doing the, Hey, let's just park our money in AT&T, take our 6% dividend. These people, they're, they're looking for two baggers, three baggers. They're, they're going hardcore on investing here into these mm-hmm. growth companies. Uh, so do you, how much, what would you say to the American investor who says Saudi Arabian private investment funds going into this? Like, what is this? Is this going to turn into a non-American company? Like, sure. They make these good bets, but like, who, what are they? Are they taking over? for America like
1: what's your you kind of cut off a cut out a little bit right there um but my take on that is it's going to remain an American company um but what makes this company different is the fact that yes it, they got some support from uh from the Saudi Arabians but again they're an American company but they're just going to be international what they're going to be doing is that they're going to be supporting um basically zoom Neom the company that's going to be going for uh, Hopefully you can see me. Um, Is it frozen? I'm sorry. (laughs) Can you guys see me? All right, so you guys can see me, I'm sorry. So uh, what Me, Kevin asked was, uh, the ask was it was it going to be predominantly an American company or was going to be transitioning into a Saudi Arabian company. What the fact is, is going to give it an international presence. So you're going to have the AMP one in in Grande, as well as an AMP two in Saudi Arabia. Now, what Peter Rawlinson, the CEO of Lucid, what their plan is, is for them to have that international presence, to be able to meet the demand of the consumer. So. It's not going to be, it's going to be primarily headquartered in Newark, California, as well as Casa Grande, Arizona, but they're going to have those two factories to support the demand and, cons- and international consumers and members of the company. So in Saudi Arabia, as well as in China, that's what their plan is to do. So that's what I expect expect to happen for for them, is they're going to be basically an international company uh, with American roots. Uh, so that's definitely what what I, I expect, and they're going to be an international force for the future. So Saudi Arabians need <laughs> Oil. Everything on your end, yes, great. So I'm mean, looking at the people on the on the on the side, um, looking at it. Where are you good? Um, Saudi Ravens need a transition from oil, which is exactly right. There's me, Kevin. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> Look at that, I even fixed the lag. So that's so funny. I uh, I have uh, two ISPs at my house, uh, just be- for situations like this, uh, and uh, the the Spectrum one. Sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I switched to it yesterday because AT and T went down. But yeah, I'm like a frame rate like this. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of sad that here we are in 2021, and sometimes you you just can't even rely on the internet sometimes. But anyway, uh, so so thank you for continuing the conversation there. No uh, you know, I see this comment here. Uh, well, uh, if you could give me the the bottom line there on that Saudi Arabian company, I'm super curious too. <laughs> no,
1: no problem. So the bottom line is is this is that it's going to be an international company, but it's going to have its roots in, roots in America. They have their headquarters in Newark, California, with Casa Grande, mm-hmm. Arizona, going to be their primary headquarters, and then they're going to have their international factories being built up in the next eight years first one's going to be in Saudi Arabia and the next one's going to be in China. They're going to focus oh. on building. Yeah. They're going to be building up in Saudi Arabia first, get that one up yeah. and running and then they will expand as they generate more and more revenue. So, and then like I'm saying, it's going to be an international force. What also helps them is that it's not necessarily they are following the the, the blueprint of Tesla where Tesla predominantly built up the, the charging station infrastructure. They are actually partnered with the likes of Electrify America to help generate revenue as well as help their company charge their batteries quicker and faster which i could see them potentially trying to absorb in the future but i i doubt it because electrify america is a company upon their own
0: so, and and electrify america they're the ones that are doing these uh, i think they're what the, the 300 or 350 kilowatt hour stations the super fast 20 minutes to 80 percent chargers is that right
1: that is correct that's correct oh. and uh, that's what they're using to help their battery charge up within
0: 20 minutes So that's incredible. Now, what do you think about that? I mean, I heard that and and the first thing I thought is, isn't that gonna destroy the battery? I mean, you're, you're so much amperage that must be going into that battery can't be good for the darn thing. I mean, uh, talk about heat, uh, you know, all of the things that happen with battery tech. You know, I, I hear with batteries, you should be uh, charging them nice and slowly and chill. Even the iPhone now is doing this thing where if you plug it in and you're kind of that person that has it plugged in all day long, mm-hmm. it, it, the iPhone tries to start learning your habit and it'll, it'll purposely stop your charging at 80% uh, yeah. until it thinks it needs you or something, uh, until you need it all day long or something like that. What's this 20 minute charging on a car gonna do? So it's going to be fine because the pr- primarily
1: before they became Lucid, they were named Ativa. Ativa. So what Ativa was, was a battery technology company where they were utilized, uh, well, back in 2014, 2016, they got a, a contract with the Formula E racing. And when they did, they were, prim- well, Let's do a backstory formerly e-racing prior to that time frame could not finish a race without charging up there or exchanging their batteries. Oh, wow. When the TV came into play, they j- gave them their this highly dense, high-performance battery that super cools over time frame over time and allows them to perform in high speeds and keep their charge throughout the whole race time period. And when they utilize that, it they're transitioning that technology into the Lucid Air, which it'll be able to hold high speeds, be able to supercharge quickly without it uh, breaking down or uh, potentially lighting on fire in the future so it's huh. the technology there are primarily at the beginning a battery technology company not a vehicle
0: I mean that's that's actually fascinating here I'm just pulling up uh, this uh, Ativia powers season six of Formula E with spec battery pack of its own design. So did they hire? I mean, they must have hired their own battery engineers. Then is this like a is this like a potential quantum spec uh, or quantum spec quantum scape play without with like with actually having a product, unlike quantum scape?
1: So quantum scape. There's a difference between quantum scape as well as uh, Ativa or Lucid. Quantum scape's going mm-hmm. straight for solid state batteries, and they're having the backs of Bill Gates and uh, uh, Volkswagen to support them but mm. which are not going to be generating revenue or going into production until 2025. What Ativa mm-hmm. is, is giving the most most highly dense battery and allows them to have high performance for a long term And, and it's the, almost the exact same type, type of, uh, at batteries that Tesla has, but it's a little bit more high dense, more, more high charging. And, um, the thing is that they're already generating revenue from that. Uh, so they're vertically integrated. They don't have, have to, have any outsources except for potentially cells or uh, some kind of rare earth minerals but they are they're vertically integrated from bottom up and which makes this truly special
0: this is special. I mean, honestly, because, I mean, all the other EVs, they rely on, uh, you know, okay, we'll just put a vehicle together, then we'll we'll go get, uh, you know, uh, Mobileye to do our uh, autonomy, and then we'll go get, you know, in, in China, for example, uh, CATL to throw our batteries together. But but you're right. I mean, here, Ativa is the technology wing of Lucid Motors. Uh, and then it goes on to say, in creating the battery pack, At- Ativia, Ativa, Uh, first leveraged its substantial proprietary database of battery cells with its engineers identifying a cell with the perfect blend and so on and so forth. And they even say here they created their battery management software entirely in-house, which I I don't know how how important the battery management system is, like if if it makes a difference if you make that in-house versus just grabbing it off the shelf. Maybe maybe you can comment on that. uh, And ensures that the pack performs for the duration of the season with no significant degradation. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. tell me more
1: so okay the battery management system that's a big thing to pay attention to so what what makes that very special is the fact that they have this like kind of like a lego brick kind of setup so each brick is about about like yay big what they do is that if that overheats or somehow malfunctions the battery management system turns that battery off so it doesn't turn off the whole battery itself just turns off that one little section so that's very important so if there is a uh, cell that breaks or some kind of malfunction. They don't allow that to keep going where there is a potential overheat, um, which is smart.
0: And so that's almost kind of like in, in solar, I feel like you have these, these micro inverters, where if there's one panel, that's bad, you can actually have a management system. These, these inverters that can turn off individual, uh, yeah. you know, solar panels. So that way the rest of the system can still function is, is that kind of similar to this battery management system? There? Very, very much so. Wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so, Why do you think they would go to Saudi Arabia first and not try to get into the the China or the European market where we're seeing these electric vehicle sales explode? Is it just sort of a condition of their partnership or is this strategic? It's
1: both. It's strategic as well as they kind of have that was part of the plan. Um, It was part of negotiations in the contract for when the PIF. The public investment funds uh, invested over $1, million, $1 billion into the company in that contract stated that they have to build a factory there, which works out because the Saudi Arabians are planning on building up the, com- the, the city Neom and they want to have zero carbon emissions. So that's exactly the, the plan. And uh, it kind of goes one and one hand in hand. And then they will expand, oh. ex-
0: expand into China. I understand. Okay, and and did they ha- do? You know of any timeframes for this Chinese expansion? It it almost just seems like you need to get into your primary markets here sooner rather than later to, to not be left behind.
1: So, from what I have been reading, what I've been hearing is the fact that they're going to be going over to, to Saudi Arabia. So, once the um once the negotiations are completed, which will be in twenty this year, twenty twenty one for uh, the Saudi Arabian factory, they will begin pro- production immediately. Now. Mm-hmm what I've been hearing is the fact that they will be starting it within 2025 of starting into China. I understand that they are missing out on a major market, but that's just a projection timeframe. They will be, you never know because Tesla said and Tesla at times had, this is a timeline for their factory, but they started earlier.
0: You never know. Got it. So maybe if if Lucid Motors, uh, you know, actually catches on over here in the United States and and then potentially in Saudi Arabia, then uh, then maybe they might sort of get that open invite that Tesla got to China, because it seems like even though I know we hear frequently that, uh, oh, you know, why would uh, why would China ever promote an outside company, whether it's American or whatever else? Uh, it seems like China's really trying to do whatever they can to become the center of this EV revolution. They're, they're pushing this almost harder than I feel like Biden is pushing this. What's your take on that? I agree,
1: they're actually, uh, them and as well as uh, Europe, Europe has been ahead of the game for the EV as well as overall green energy movement. Um, over the last three to four years, they have been, both Europe and Asia, they have been investing over $300 billion into the green energy green energy uh, infrastructure for not only EVs, but also hydrogen fuel cells. So they want this to happen. And we know that China has, as well as japan has accepted tesla like one of their own and there's a complete cult following for them and rightfully so you're looking at an amazing t- piece of technology there uh so i think that they're welcoming and they're going to accept it and the overall design for lucid motors really kind of, kind of works out for them because people do uber a lot over there and there's not a lot of people in japan that own a lot of a lot of cars it's predominantly uber or, or just manual walking because it's such a densely populated uh,
0: city or overall that country. makes sense. I, I see. Okay. And then I, I did, I did pull up just in the meantime here. I always I like looking at this uh, r- relations between uh, China, for example, and Saudi Arabia, functional, but not strategic. But what's interesting, and that's just the tagline, but what's interesting here is the biggest uh, portion of their relationship has to do with oil. Uh, and that's something that uh, China is, is trying to become of, uh, less reliant on, obviously, by going into this EV direction. And so if Saudi Arabia is doing that as well, it seems like they're, they're both going to be walking in the same direction here.
1: Yes. And that's that's a weird thing because Saudi Arabia for the, for the last overall century has been, been predominantly oil. And yeah. the Crown Prince has been pushing against that since he's been in. And uh, he realizes that we're in a transition phase. So they're going to be coming into the play. And that's why they're building Neom. And truthfully, oil is a dying breed. And that's why it, it's just an uh, EVs as well as cells is the future
0: so uh, talking me about hydro fuel, uh, hydrogen fuel cells is is this like a is this a pipe dream at this point i mean we don't have the stations the mirai sales suck is, is this just uh, is this a pipe dream is this never going to happen or is this something that it's going to happen it's just it's going to take until 2030 for us to actually see this mainstream
1: it's going to take a very long time and the the thing is is that um I originally, I I investigated substantially into uh, Nikola, and I believed in the business strategy, but they completely lied throughout the whole period of time frame of that. So the business strategy is brilliant. They need to build the charge stations first, which the only thing that that really is the issue is the infrastructure. There is no charging stations, well, fueling stations Mm -hmm. for hydrogen, which BP, British Petroleum, they do want to transition as well as Shell want to transition into hydrogen. The only issue is, is that, what companies to be able to support that right now the only one that can support that is plug power but plug power right now is just building the automotive technology not the fuel cells so it's going to take a while i believe it's going to take maybe five more years to make that happen but it just needs to have more investments and more time and building that infrastructure to make
0: that support but right now there's not enough because the plug trying to Trojan horse into this with with their forklifts, but that's been a money losing business for them. Now they've got this partnership with uh, Renault and and, and France. Uh, you know, I mean, five years uh, is the Apple Car going to be out before that? <laughs> you never know. Really, the the issue is is with plot power. Is it's
1: people are investing into it for the belief into the system, the belief in that it's going to be happening because. Mm. It, it is a it is a good thought and it really does make sense for long hauling and as well as for uh, aviation purposes and people use um, hydrogen in every other type of ways and even in, in rocket launches people use hydrogen but it's only good for la- large hauls for long periods of time. Um, if you're an everyday person just going from A and B, EV is the way to go and uh, so if it's going to take a long time. I don't think that we're going to see hydrogen fuel cell really be a thing until five years from now.
0: Do you actually think people are going to get back into a, uh, a <laughs> any hydrogen carrying uh, vessel that flies? Not to mention any names. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: it's going to take a lot of, te- a lot of testing to prove it to people because you're seeing what happens with like Virgin Galactic, obviously, it's not ev i'm just saying people are doing a lot of testing into the products as well as into the vehicle before so the aircraft needs to be tested substantially to be able to earn the trust and have the regulations and have the limitations to make that happen so for aviation wise we're looking 10 years down the road for eight for automotive wise most likely 5 years down the road
0: Got it. what's your take on that? Uh, the aviation, and, and I want to get back to Lucid here, but I, I have to bring this up on on uh, you know these these long range uh, fuels and and uh, aviation. What's your take on these biofuels? Like you know, Gevo, the stock skyrocketed over this this idea that uh, well, basically, oh Biden Biden placed I think one of uh, one of their board members or executives onto the science uh, committee or whatever Biden's mm-hmm. had going on. You know, I, I hear this and I look into Givo and I'm like, okay, so you've got a deal with Delta that's maybe gonna cover what, 120 flights, you know, over, over a, a period of a year, which seems like a drop in the bucket. Is is sustainable fuel, bottom line question here, is sustainable fuel, these these biofuels, Is this just a a marketing ploy to have the airline say hey look we're we're doing the right thing we're going sustainable but it's way too expensive for mainstream uh or or is there a real future in biofuels or should we be paying attention to instead no for right now the game is evs don't get distracted by all this other stuff it's a good plan and they
1: have renewable energy is is something that needs to happen um Mm -hmm. in order to replace Uh, petroleum because there are certain systems that are built in that a lot of the like higher capital that don't want to make this happen doesn't want to change their technology and the renewable energy that um, that Jivo creates it really doesn't hurt their system they don't really need to change how they're set up currently Um, which sounds good but the thing is that Jivo really hasn't generated that high amount of fuel for a long periods of time um, and they have a plan to make a oh, zero emission, zero zero carbon uh, factory or plant, but it's going to take a long time to make that happen. Around eight years from now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But again, it, it think it's, I think it's more of a hey, look what we're doing.
0: Hopefully, it works out. Got it. Got it. Yeah, like the the classic prospectus in a SPAC is uh, is almost like the most uh, uh, convincing sales pitch that you could ever look at for any company. Uh, But what's actually interesting here, going back to Lucid, is that we don't even have a slide deck (laughs) and here we are discussing it and and, and investing it into it. Why? What are we doing? Are, Are we making a mistake here? I mean, what if this doesn't happen? I know that a lot of people have been asking
1: that question. A lot of investors, even those that are listening right now, even yourself, there's a reason why you You were yourself, Kevin, you have invested over $500,000 into this. And the biggest thing is, is the fact of the infrastructure of the company. And then it comes to another one is the connections. I've said this at the beginning of this video is if you look into the SPAC, if you look into Churchill Capital Four, the leadership, the operating partners, this company from the top to the bottom was built to take this company public from Mm -hmm. Michael Klein, who was a special who is a special advisor for the public investment fund, as well as Andrew Livers, who's a special advisor to the public investment fund, Peggy Johnson, and Alan who has connections to not only Lucid, but as well as the public investment fund. Everything from the top top to bottom is Lucid and public investment fund. You have to understand that's what makes this different. Not any other SPAC has had
0: this kind of a connection before. So now talk to me a little bit about this. My understanding is at $10 a share, uh, we're looking at a 15 billion dollar valuation it's at 30 dollars $30 now uh, that that and we don't know the exact details yet but that puts us somewhere around a 45 billion dollar valuation that's mm-hmm. more than Xpeng, and that's uh you know I mean it's it's about half of Neo. but uh, you know that's that's a pretty big valuation for a company that hasn't sold a single car
1: mm-hmm and that's understandable, but I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase uh, our man Shamath, who was on that was on a CNBC and basically, basically ripping into the CNBC anchor is this, yeah. any, ex, any expert can, can say what their evaluation of a company is. Like, look at Tesla. Is there any reason for them to be this high? Really not, and truthfully not, but it's the view of the viewpoint of the investor and the shareholder into the company. It's what we think the company should be valued at, not the so-called experts so if the if the people believe that xpeng should be here or lucid should be here it's our choice and tons of people have been pumping and hitting the ground saying that tesla should not be four thousand dollars it needs to be eight hundred dollars we saw with andrew mm. left citron who tried to short short him like a long time and look what happened just blew up in his face it's the viewpoint yeah. of the shareholder and the investor not the so-called experts
0: i mean i'll tell you this i definitely would not bet against any EV unless I had a suicide mission <laughs> <laughs> Short them, Definitely would not be doing that. Uh, so, okay, Lucid then here. Um, so so you're very, very confident in it. What what percentage of your portfolio are you putting in? Well, I'm well, well diversified. I, I'm diversi- diversified mm-hmm. across across the board. I'm
1: say that around 30% of it is into it because of how special it is. And then as soon wow. as it ha- hits like a, t- a price point of around let's say because of where it's currently at uh, as soon as a DA or an LOI drops, this thing can double over overnight because of, there's so much of a public eye onto it. As soon as it hits that and then upon merger timeframe, because obviously there will be a pipe, you could scalp a little bit and then rotate into other investments because you never know, maybe Riven will go public, highly doubtful, but you never know. Um, then you can rotate into other plays. But right now this, I put in a good position, my full position at the $11 mark, the $11.30 mark Jeez. and I've been enjoying it ever since. And you allow oh, yeah, the growth no and yeah, and then you scalp a little bit at the end and then have your plan. But I'm not in any shape or form gonna be selling anytime soon. And I'm not gonna sell out of my position fully because this is really something special and you, shouldn't, you should not miss out.
0: So you're saying you might take some of your gains after the announcement, but before the merger.
1: Right, but most likely it's like, you'd be kind of an idiot not to take some of your profits. If it was to hit like 80 bucks or six or a hundred bucks, just take a little bit and then rotate it into another position. Just it's good to trust and believe in the company, but know your plan and, and keep to it. Um, I'm, I obviously people understand that people have, can not get married to, to a stock. And, mm. um, I got blind to Nikola myself and then he, he made everyone look like a bunch of idiots and look what happened. Just know your plan and stick to it, but understand when to take some minor profits and then rotate. But right now, this is not the time in my mind to take any profits because of what could potentially happen overnight. We saw with MicroVest, people continuously asked, hey, when's the definitive agreement? When's the definitive agreement? When's the definitive agreement? Yeah. And, and then it dropped from 20 bucks to all of a sudden 14 bucks and then overnight it went to 22. Boom. Wow. Exactly. You can miss I it. See. Okay.
0: So, so you're you're in this for that big boom. Uh, why why not in it like uh, some of those uh, you know the, the Tesla folks that are like never never sell in it in it forever. You know that that just like so married to it. Is it just to diversify and get into like the next spec or is is there something else? So
1: when it comes to it is to diversify and balance it out. You want to have that good position into the electric vehicle, but there's also other things you should diversify in. What my portfolio is is predominantly this electric vehicles, electric vehicle batteries, cybersecurity, mm-hmm. financial technology, and then uh, real estate right now, because I'm basically eating up all the, the REITs as well as uh, all these high end dividends. And then once the economy recovers, you should be solid. But I'm not in, in any shape of form saying that you should put all your portfolio into one single stock, but trust right. what you have. And I understand that there's a cult following for Tesla. People say, well, I bought, I have a thousand shares of it. I'm now a millionaire. I, uh, understand, I understand that, but what, what, what the thing is, is that you're going to miss out on other investments and diversifying. Wow. You should always have dividends. You should have, um, like your, your video that you have, you should have passive income rolling in.
0: So that, so that way you can grow your portfolio even more. Got it. So, is that why you're you're investing in into the? I mean, you mentioned real estate REITs here. You're not you're not going into these for growth. You're you're going into to take out a dividend. How what? Why why that over over some of these big growths? I mean, if you can, you know, you're what triple here almost on uh, on Lucid. Why why bother with a six percent dividend? Because it's a smart play.
1: Because if you have you're buying a stock currently right now, let's say IBR or MITT, where's it currently thirty bucks, you throw. If you have the amount of money, if you can get a thousand shares of that over time, you just set it and forget and you don't look at it. And then these quarterly dividends come out or annually dividends come out, you you get it and then you push it back into the sector and you basically compound it. You get more and more revenue as everything comes out and you're being a smart investor. So I understand people wanna go into the sexy plays or going into SPACs or going into the next major EV play, but you should always be a smart investor. Have those major booms. Part of your in your portfolio, but also have smart, have a good built foundation
0: of your portfolio. Got it. Okay. So you mentioned cyber security and I couldn't help, but think about Palantir. Uh, and, and then we'll get back to some more lucid here, but I, I got to ask you what, what thoughts on Palantir. I mean, uh, you, you, mentioned you, you worked in the military. Tell us, tell us a little bit about this. It seems like a mystery. <laughs> I absolutely love Palantir.
1: Um, I actually called Palantir when it was at, currently at 950 and then it dropped to eight, eight ninety. And I said, this is something special. You, people don't understand what they have. You should really eat up on this dip. And then, uh, boom, it jumped from 890 to all of a sudden 33 bucks within, uh, within a month. But what makes Panther so special is their major involvement into the government. They've been going for 17 years, they've been involved majorly, and they got their credibility when they were tracking terrorists specifically for Osama bin Laden. Their, their Gotham and Foundry program was utilized to find the location of, of Osama bin Laden. And they've been utilized not only in the government, which that's a bread and butter, but also in other industries as well, So in the commercial. Uh, I believe they're yeah they're working with BP as well. So their artificial intelligence cybersecurity company helps them find, put A and B together and then find C and D and how basically gets accreditation into what their target is and makes obviously for military and government, but also more efficient as well as makes industry more efficient because they have a have partnership with BP as well as Ferrari. So more and more com- government contracts build up and they're updating their programs they're gonna help overall though everybody in the whole world be more efficient and their their main goal is this to protect western civilization and democracy no matter what and they have no biasness towards being a republican or being a democrat they're just here to protect democracy and that's what makes them so special
0: now some people here pr- protect democracy and then they get a little nervous that this means uh you know, which which, which is possible. Uh, they, they know all the, all the people that we're talking to, they might not hear what we're saying on the phone or be able to read what's in our emails because of privacy laws, but they're able to take take everything about our lives, pump it into like a Palantir and, and it'll draw a complete map of, of all of our connections. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and then they can make conclusions from that. You know, if, if privacy becomes a, a more salient issue and starts cracking down more, isn't that a potential Palantir risk? There is a minor risk, but um, Palantir and their their uh,
1: their company and their and their programs is an essential thing to protect the people. Um, I know people that have utilized it and have seen it over in Iraq as well as Afghanistan, and they have helped not only protect. And well, not only attack the the assailant, the terrorists, but as well as protect their people. So it is a is a, it is an important part to the system. And I think that yeah, if there was a minor restriction to it, it might take a minor hit. But data is a big thing to invest into. Like we saw with Snowflake and many others, you should you should be in these kind of artificial intelligent plays. And artificial intelligence will just continue to grow.
0: Do you think that? Uh... You know, Peter Thiel investing into Palantirs, is, is—is that a—is that a big game? Like, is that something people should look at and go, like, this should be pretty obvious, or, or is he just making an investment here?
1: <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Um, okay. him, him and everyone that was in, it. it's not only just Peter too. Let's look at the whole leadership overall, the leadership that was built up and Alexander Karp is a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, and he was smart because obviously, because of what they do to get out of Silicon Valley and go into Denver, Colorado, because they were <laughs> getting, they were getting attacked. They were getting attacked substantially because of what they do, but they do it for the good of the people and they have good intentions. No, no
0: malcontent. Stelecon Valley. I like that. Okay. So <laughs> going, that's great. Going to, going to Lucid here, you know, shouldn't people be nervous about the fact that we, we haven't seen these vehicles on the road and we don't even know who they're going to use for autonomy. I think that's a big question for me. I mean, anybody can slap a battery on a car, but what about, you know, the fact that we haven't heard a single thing about their, their autonomous uh, features? What what if they end up partnering with, uh, you know, GM crews and it only works on mapped highways? You know what? <laughs> What do we think? So right now, they are
1: part. They uh, back in 2017. They they partnered with Mobileye to help develop their lighter technology, and they already have their technology that is built up. They're at level three right now, uh, which is, I believe, it's DreamSense, uh, DriveSense. So they're still developing it. Uh, they're at level three right now. Um, we just have to see. They're still testing it, but uh, just hopefully, when it comes to, and it's obviously upgradable. Um, is le- is tesla level 4 or is it level 3? I'm not sure.
0: Well, so I guess it depends ahead. if you have the beta or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the big uh, thing is is that the co- the vehicle will have level 3 technology for autonomous upon production time period.
0: Mm. So, you know, there's there's talk that maybe they're going to have a uh, a cabin camera which tesla has in the three and y but apparently doesn't use who knows maybe they're training algorithms in the background uh we know that gm crews uh, in in their you know their cadillacs or whatever they actually require eye contact with the road do you think that eye contact with the road is a good thing it gets you better consumer reports reviews or is it a bad thing because you're you're potentially alienating an audience of of you know 25 to 45 year old dudes that are like bro car's driving itself. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Really, it, it just depends on the, on the consumer
1: as well as the company's like viewpoint on that technology. Do they trust mm-hmm. in their technology to protect as well as swerve or stop on, on the right time period? Um, obviously Tesla, they trust in their technology and they allow people I've literally driven by someone falling asleep while they're driving right now. I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's just more of a reflection upon the company and their, their confidence into the technology um, GM. I think that GM's very, very late into the si- situation. Um, that's why their LiDAR technology, they probably need to have that eyesight. Hey, make sure to look at, look at the road, stay stay awake where with lucid, there is no, there's nothing that is stating that they need to have eyesight onto the road or they could be sleeping.
0: Got it. Got it. Now. Um, I mean, this luxury market, a concern I have is that, look at the S and X sales. I mean, you're talking a fraction of uh, Tesla sales are going to S and X, what, you know, 14, uh, probably 15, 16,000 right now, where, where they're selling, hun, you know, over, uh, what, 130,000 of these these threes and whys. Why the luxury market? Why why not get, you know, your your daily driver out there, get into this 30, 40, $50,000 car market? because it's already oversaturated right
1: now with the likes of Tesla, x Xpeng, Li, um, as well as now we have General Motors that's gonna be going at it. They need to generate revenue quickly and they need to target a sector that is not overly saturated, which is the luxury car car sector. Mercedes is right now, it's all a pipe dream that they want to go into EVs or hydrogen, looking at it, it's all, pro- all prototypes. They have nothing that could really be utilized by the everyday consumer. BMW is still building out. And I don't see any other any luxury vehicle that's really doing something special. And the only thing that is is that yes, there is Tesla luxury vehicles out there. The Tesla Model Three can be pretty expensive, as well as the Tesla Model Model uh, Model, Model S. But they're trying to take a big piece of the pie at a larger scale. And I know that the likes of David Faber and many other comment and be like, "We're literally selling a car for one hundred sixty nine thousand dollars. Like, is this really a smart idea? Is who right. who's going to buy this? Well." Yeah. If you look at the specs of the of the vehicle you're and all these people are buying lambos why not buy for something that's going to be able to last longer when everyone's transitioned to fossil fuels where this vehicle has over a thousand thousand horsepower has a zero to 60 to 2.5 seconds more faster than a lambo and has technology that will last for a long period of time and is upgradable so that's they're going towards luxury
0: I agree with you. I mean, the, the, the thing looks pretty nice. Uh, I'll pull it up here. But uh, you know, it, it looks nice. But then again, it also doesn't have that, you know, sports car ish, uh, maybe uh, Lambo uh, feel it, it you know, it feels like uh, well, I mean, I mean you Toyota Camry, <laughs> you know, that's a good way to put it. It's it's like a, a sleeked up Camry. Yeah, I, I like that analogy. You know, t- talk to me about that design, I- I- you know, idea here.
1: Well, it's a nice, it's a nice, slick little design. Um, obviously, they're not trying to be anything flashy. They're trying to basically make it as smooth and sleek as possible, and let the let the technology talk about itself instead of being like, "Look, I have I have doors that go up and are suicide doors, or whatever, or what kind of gimmick." They're focusing purely on the technology that in itself, from from uh, from acceleration, the chassis, the electric vehicle overall, as well as the the seats. And the overall paints, they're they're so attentive to the detail. They don't need to make something flashy for the people to be like, Wow, that's really hot. It looks mad at me. I want it. No, they have right. the inside and the technology do its work.
0: But, but now why why this instead of the Model S plaid? I mean, you've already got the supercharging network, you've got you know so many people already testing out Tesla. This is going to be an unknown company and, and people are going to be expected to throw what you know $100, 150000 dollars into this why would somebody risk that because if you try if you test test out lucid, uh, if you test out, well,
1: let's also pay attention to it. Peter Rawlinson was part of the Tesla Model S production as well as the development of it. I'm pretty sure that he, not pretty sure, I know that he utilized his his knowledge from the Tesla Model S, he transitioned it to the Lucid uh, Model Air. So they've been doing this for a while. They've been prototyping for a very long period of time. They've been comparing it to the Tesla Model S and obviously they've been drag racing it in many other ways, but that's a big question. That's going to come up to the consumer itself. um, If you're going to just stick to Tesla or you want to go into something special, Um, obviously Tesla. Are you in Tesla? I do have a uh, have a little position of tesla into my larger portfolio because you'd be an idiot not to have a position on that
0: is there any point that tesla is going to get to where you just say look this price is ridiculous we can't do it any worse or is tesla going to be just one of those that you know what you always put your your five to ten percent in no no matter what it's going to be five to ten percent no matter what because it's going to be basically do this if we think about it
1: it's going to be the Amazon and a Google for, of EVs for a very long time. They're the top tier. They have made a statement mm-hmm. and you say, like, let's say you have 50 shares, which is a substantial amount right now. Yeah. Who says they split again It gives opportunities right. for other investors to buy in for is going to continue to generate more and more revenue for you, the major investor now
0: so got it so what happened today there were some confusing rumors today i mean yesterday was phenomenal for this company i mean we we the stock skyrocketed i mean i think we were up what 30 27 at the close or something like that but we've mm-hmm. had a little bit of a rough day uh comment on, on this is is there some rumor that was circulating that that caused some potential issues here or why is this thing down about five percent today is there even a reason there is a reason. So, uh, there
1: was a Bloomberg article that came up, said that, that there are not it, there talks. They're in talks, but a deal is not imminent. And it was talk was produ- provided by a guy named Walter Bloomberg on Twitter. And mm. then he said something about direct TV and then there was a correction and people freaked out and sold. And, um, there's a lot of stop losses that were, that were hit that caused it to drop. But again, you can look at it at the bad side or the good side, the, the bad side that, that they're saying that they're they're still in talks, the deal's not imminent. Anyone can say that, but then they say like a couple weeks ago that, that, they, they can neither confirm nor deny. Now they're confirming it.
0: Right. So who, who is this, this Walter Bloomberg guys, is he even related to the Bloomberg, the company? I mean, it looks no. like this, he's using who's DJ is that Dow Jones as a source or who is this dude? so walter bloomberg it seems to me that
1: uh what he has utilized he's just basically u- uses auto, uh, like <sighs> auto generated posts and then just posts whatever comes up and sometimes he posts incorrectly but mm-hmm. he has he has posted and cr- posted stuff about like even this guy that had zero credibility saying that the merger is going to be delayed for no reason and had no credibility whatsoever he posted about it and then the guy came out and apologized for what he posted
0: so um, interesting okay so we don't it, we're not necessarily getting citations here wherever he's getting these headlines from we don't know but he's got some kind of algorithm running that's feeding headlines mm-hmm. uh but you know when we dive into this deeper is is there a possibility that ccav is gonna become direct tv i mean i don't want direct tv
1: <laughs> no, no
0: no 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 uh
1: so there was an article that came out a couple of weeks ago that uh, he posted as well and many other that posted is it came out on on uh Reuters. so what was said is that um Loose, oh, CCIV is not in not the the top guy talking to Directv anymore. It's uh, a an, a private equity firm named TPG that's the now the in ex- exclusive talks with Directv. So Churchill Capital is not in the running for them anymore.
0: I see. Okay, so there were some original talks maybe a, a while ago here mm-hmm. about this uh, this potential happening. Uh, yeah, uh, November five, Kleins Churchill Hill Ivy. This is a seeking alpha here. Uh, Spac Eyes bid for. Uh, D- at and Direct TV, and mm-hmm. that was back in November. So uh, wh- why would this rumor come up? Like, why, why if if this was built for, for Lucid, why mm-hmm. was this even a suggestion? Because at that time period, um, the
1: leadership really wasn't, they weren't sure if they wanted to go public or not. And really, they, the SPAC themselves, Michael Klein and the leadership, they have a choice to, Take a company public or not, and they could just build another spec. But really, it's they declined it and they moved on. And then uh, there could be some kind of insider com- uh, talks from the public investment fund, as well as Michael Klein and the rest of the Churchill Capital team, saying, "Hey, we want to go public. Stop what you're saying. Just remove from the conversation, and let's move on." So it's it's really. I think they were just talking, trying to see, "Hey, this is really an option,"
0: or whatever. Right, right. Uh, And uh, now let's see here, the author on that, the uh, original CCIV, AT&T, DirecTV talk here were were, um, uh, Nabila, Liana, and Scott, which one of the reasons I mentioned these names is because this uh, January 11th article uh, was popularized because of its connection to Edward Ludlow, who was none of the authors are the same between these two articles. So totally different authors. Isn't there some kind of connection between this Edward guy over at Bloomberg and uh, CCIV?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, well, predominantly he has a connection to Lucid so yeah he's mm-hmm. been covering lucid for a long, long couple of years just as R- russ mitchell is so what edward ludlow does um edward ludlow he's been had exclusive uh, access to the lucid factory in newark california and actually got to be in one of their prototypes what makes ud ludlow such a big big issue is the fact of the matter of this is that he has mm-hmm. covered as well as G- jillian jillian when they say something that is in talks or in rumors, usually between twenty to thirty business days of rumors or in talks, there is an agreement usually in time frame. This exact same thing happened to Git E, Lightning Motors, or NGA, which is Lightning Electric. The most recent ones, and then twenty to thirty business days, boom, you got yourself an agreement. Exact same thing happened to um, to PSAC and uh, Future uh, Faraday Future. Seventeen days later, you got yourself an agreement. Now this this back in this agreement has been obviously in the public side for a very long period of time and not a lot of retail investors have the patience to hold and just enjoy what they have, um, mm-hmm. with the, especially with the cushion that a lot of them have had. But if you trust in the research and you trust in the connection that Udlo has, it's, it's going to happen. And then uh, there's been, some, there's been some, some sayings from that saying that Saudi Arabians wanted to leak this out just to see see what the people right. thought let's see evaluation like hey do i really want to go for 15 billion or can i go for 30 billion
0: that's Ah, interesting mm -hmm. say it's leak something over to bloomberg have them run a story and uh ah now we can get a little more more market research it's kind of like coming up with your own valuation then well let's uh let's test our theory (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. brilliant well it worked so hey michael klein Mm -hmm. hey we we need to up it a little bit more there man Uh aha i love it uh okay so what what's realistic when are we gonna see these cars on the road uh you know i hear talk about june is is that realistic are they gonna get like 10 out is this gonna be like the cyber truck where it's like oh yeah we'll get we'll get a couple out if we're lucky at the end of this year and and maybe we'll start producing more next year it's very realistic the their their factory is already up like up and running and
1: built up phase one they already have everything automotive automotive as well as autonomous robotics in there it's already up and building uh, already up and running the painting facility is already built up um so mm-hmm. they have the capacity to support over forty thousand vehicles right now so that's that's uh they they'll they'll be fine
0: got it what is um What's your take then comparing these folks to to neo I mean neo's got some creative things in competing with Tesla they've got the battery swapping uh you know put, uh, the upgradable batteries in the future, assuming they're always going to have that same form factor you can buy the car without the battery and now it's a cheaper car to buy and you just rent the battery basically you know what? why aren't we seeing more innovative things like that here in America or is that just not the future so right now exchanging out batteries is not really the future, but what Neo is make,
1: what's makes, making NEO so special right now is the fact that they're gonna be uh, introducing the solid state battery here very soon. So that's great. And then also in the same state is that NEO is, is not pumping out a lot of numbers. This is why NEO is the major com- connection and valuating Lucid is that uh, NEO is only, only pumping out around 400, no, not 400, 45,000 to around 55,000 vehicles annually. Which is a good valuation comparison to Lucid because Lucid is going to be coming out of the coming out of the gates forty thousand, and you can really say App A A to B, they're really close to each other. But I don't right. think that exchanging out batteries is the future. I know it kind of went off a little tangent there, but I don't think exchanging out batteries and that te- that technology is really something needed.
0: And, and why is why is that? I mean, it, it seems so. It seems like something that's so useful for getting people to get over this fear of having batteries uh, and, uh, you know, like, hey, well, I, I don't own the battery. I own the car, but, uh, you know, maybe you can own the car longer because you're just swapping the batteries. You don't have to worry about replacing this battery at some point in the future. And in theory, you don't even have to baby the or pamper the battery because that's not your battery. You could treat it like crap if you wanted to. <laughs> well, isn't that an advantage to people? Yes, but people don't really want to have to go
1: in and then exchange their batteries. Like you don't see, te- Tesla doesn't see a reason for this, then why should anybody else? Um, it's like it's like a phone. Like you're not gonna want to go out and exchange your battery. That's just a hassle for you. Why not put it in a battery that's sustainable and efficient that can handle long periods of times of charging as well as high performance. And then it can last a long period of time without any de- degradation. That's why- Got it. Tesla is trying to upgrade their EV battery technology. And that's why lucid is predominantly a battery technology at the beginning.
0: Maybe and and so that's is not. Why, ah, I see, right? Because Neo's doesn't have their own battery attack uh, that, that I'm aware of. Uh, so does, is that because are lucid and Tesla just saying, look, we're, we're not going to focus on swapping. That's like, uh, you know, trying to solve a problem with a bandage. We're just going to go for really good batteries that last a long time. And that charge really quickly. Is that more their direction? That's
1: more the direction they wanted to have something charge quickly, like be efficient, and last longer.
0: Um, Got it. So. And and now we and I want to clarify. Uh, I don't believe Neo has their battery technology now, but they're coming out with this like partial potential uh, solid state battery in the future. Is is this actually, or, or do you know, is this actually Neo engineers, or, or is this some partnership with uh, you know another manufacturing plant? I mean, I mean I'm sure it is, but uh, who's who's doing this solid state battery or partial solid state battery for Neo? Is this going to be something that other car companies have access to in China? And is this hype around Neo is that misplaced? So, um, from what I've read, it's gonna. They went into a partnership for, to
1: develop this kind of technology. Um, quantum, quantum, not quantum. Wow, well, I was thinking quantum scape when I think it's solid state. No, battery. solid yeah. state battery is absolutely positively the future. Like, in order to have a have a very a battery that takes up a very small space as well as last a long period of time, solid state batteries is needed. Um, they're all in prototype phase right now, which basically people are investing for that current valuation for that kind of technology to come. I don't see. Mm-hmm. Anybody else really going for it except for QuantumScape? Um, there is a, a a pipe dream for a quantum battery, but that'll that'll take a long period of time. But solid state batteries, people are investing into that, but it's going to take a long period of time for that to come into fruition.
0: Got it. Do you, do you have any positions in Neo and and uh, what about these Chinese manufacturers? I mean, is, is one better than the other? Uh, you know, Neo, Xpeng, Li Auto, anything?
1: I do have position into BYDDF as well as BYDDY. Um, I do have a a position, a minor position into Neo, but nothing really substantial uh, because I'm huge into EV. Uh, I'm not touching anything with Lee. Lee is way too with the beginning stages. And XPeng, I'm not really touching them. one second, I need to go grab my battery for my uh, charger for my phone. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, go for it. We'll, we'll keep
0: chatting here. No, take your time. Yeah, so I mean, this is this is really interesting. So CCFE, yeah, it, it is a company that I've got uh, just over five hundred thousand uh, dollars into that I invested into, and uh, you know was was one that I've been talking to course members about, being excited about. Uh, obviously, you know, it's 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 up from where we've all invested. Uh, you know, Alex uh, invested very early uh you know uh, many of us uh, who are watching uh, probably got in somewhere around 18 19 dollars uh, maybe even a little bit before the the interesting thing about the Spacs, though is we, I, i'm always thinking in the back of my mind like there there will be a second company uh, that competes with tesla there's always going to be a number two and a number three but what i personally wonder is how far apart is that number two spot going to be from the number one spot and so part of me just wonders do, should we, as as potential EV buyers and, and EV shoppers, is it just better to just focus on Tesla? Do, like, why bother with with any of these other EVs? Why bother with the uh you know the three wheel like the Archimodo or or these other you know the these other consumer vehicle specs? Why why do we even give them the light of day? Is it just to ride the SPAC and, and, uh, pull some profit off the hype, or are these actually real companies that we believe are going to take off? And I I think those are, those are important questions to ask as an investor. I mean, certainly as a social investment, you know, investing in SPAC seems to be just incredibly profitable in in the short term, if you can time it well. And they seem to follow this similar pattern, right? You get this run up on rumors, you get a run up on an announcement, and then sometimes you get a little bit of a sell-off after or before a merger. Uh, So, it makes you wonder, are, are SPACs just spectacular because they're, they're great <laughs> or uh, are, are they an opportunity to uh, to, to really uh, make money long-term? Well, what do you think, Alex? I'm going to bring you back in here.
1: Are they spectacular? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so what I, I, I believe
1: this, when I look into a SPAC and not only just the EV battery company, EV companies or EV battery companies or financial technology ba- companies, what a SPAC allows someone to be in is to be in basically the ground floor of a company, kind of like be a part of the IPO of a company. Mm-hmm. So if you really believe in the company like SoFi or Paysafe or MicroVest or let's say Arrival or obviously now Lucid, you could be at that ground floor and ha- be a part of something that's truly special because um, as well as Quantscape, Quantscape went all the way up to $100. But know your exit plan, understand the difference between when they generate revenue or not when you're mm-hmm. in a pre rev company and it jumps up all the way up to 50 bucks. Or let's say a hundred bucks, hmm. you may, may want to get out. Like when when Quantum went all the way up to one hundred thirteen dollars, and I got out at 17, 70 bucks. Seventy bucks. Yeah. I was like, yeah. "Why is this this high?" Know you're planning get out, but specs are something special. You should understand that if you believe in the company and you've been waiting for this company, always have a position, but
0: know when to take some profits and rotate, and just balance out yeah. your whole your whole portfolio. But but you're, in your opinion, that time's not now because you're thinking, hey, look, this this merger could be announced any day, and, yes. and on that merger, you think there's going to be a big push, or is that push already priced in? There'll be a bigger push. We saw that. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's going to be there's a mixture on both. People think that it's baked in. People that are are not like me, I don't think that it is because people are waiting to buy more into it. And where it'll cause an, an initial, another spike up to around 50 to 60 bucks where people then will take profits and it could push it back down to $45 to $50 providing another potential push because every spec does a, a bullish cup and handle where it will spike up substantially to 60 bucks, 45 bucks, come back down to consolidation around 40 bucks and then mm. remain there for the next two, two months until it runs up to its clo- closing timeframe or c- close merger, which for, or this Lucid would be most likely end of April, early May May timeframe, and then it will spike up again and double where it was currently at. So we could see $30, $35 now, jump up to $50, $60 where you could scalp out a little bit if you wanted then, and then it could come back down to 45 bucks, going to consolidation, and then spike up again to 65 bucks, 70 bucks upon closure and merger. It's just more of how you wanna play this. That's your choice. Exact so same thing happened to the likes of uh, Nikola, Hylian, um, hmm. QuantumScape, every single spec does the the bullish cup and
0: handle. So it's got it. It, it. I mean, Scamala is not not one that we we're super excited about. I think talking about what, but you you hit on Hylion. Does Hylion have have a future? Highland does have a future, but it's going to take a long
1: time to go there. And I know a lot of people love Highland, but they don't have the infrastructure infrastructure to support their demand. I know people mm-hmm. are saying, but we have this amount of amount of sales. I'm like. Nikola had this amount of sales, but where's their infrastructure? They don't have all the right. factory. They don't have anything that could support this. That's what makes all these previous EV companies pretty much dive after SPAC closure, because people are gonna then realize, and all the analysts are gonna be like, well, they don't have a factory. They're all all focusing on OEMs, uh, third party technology continuously. Where's their like their margins for revenue is gonna be minimal at best. That's why we saw Fisker, Hylian. Nicola, well Nicola had their stupid badger thing go on, and then many others just drop like a rock. But this one, it'll drop a little bit after a merger closer because people want to take the profits and then they'll have more advertising as well as marketing, which will cause it to spike again.
0: Got it. So why, you know, I, I do wonder, I don't know if you heard while you were gone, I don't think you did. Why not just plow this all into Tesla and take the stress away? Because you can miss out on being in a good position.
1: I know that mm. Tesla is like that nice little nice little blanket that makes you feel all good inside and understand. I, I get it. It's something familiar. But yeah. remember at the beginning where, where Tesla was building up their infrastructure, they were sitting around 25 bucks, 30 bucks, and then slowly started to push up. And then you have the, their factory built up more and they're expanding. And all of a sudden it's $100. Why not hold your position? and then let it grow to continuously have have patience and trust in that like there's people people nowadays especially the retail investor they're all about the profits they only want the profits they want it now i want my money i'm like well okay well when you do have your money and you sell now you guess what you're going to be paying higher taxes on your capital gains why not wait until your 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 tax rate will drop and then you could potentially take some profits there just save have, another 15% right there. Yeah, exactly. Have trust yeah. in your investment. And then just don't, just don't get out of your position fully. Know know your limits, know your plan. Let's say you buy 2000 shares and then it grows. Oh, it just hit a hundred, a uh, hundred dollars. Oh, I have $200,000 at my disposal. I'll sell 500 and then I utilize that for other ones. Just have a yeah. plan, but just know that you have something special, kind of like Tesla esque at the beginning it'll slowly grow over time
0: what's your research process on these like how, how are you finding you know learning about the lucid before uh it's it's uh you know going spectacular i mean i know we heard a lot of excitement about lucid in september uh you know gaining popularity but there was there's nothing suggesting that this thing would go public at, at, at that early on is it just something that you think uh, there's a good chance it's going to happen so you keep an eye on it more or uh, so you're ready when the day comes or, or what's your take Well, in the
1: beginning of this video, I stated that you look, you connect, you look, when a new SPAC comes out, you go and look into the leadership, look into the CEO, you look into the operating partners, you see their backgrounds, you see their connections, then you look at the companies that they're partnered or connected with, and you look at the potential companies that want to go public, like you look at a private equity website, and you look at them, okay, where they're at, where their connections, okay, Uh, with the process of funding, what, what funding round are they on? Uh, are they late? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they want to go public pretty quickly. Okay, and then we look at Lucid. Lucid was already past one of the funding rounds. They just got just got funding from uh, the the PIF uh, about a year ago. Right. They they want to be public, and that's kind of where you go into the valuation. You look at one to two. You kind of like wow. just all the connections from the leadership to the company, and look
0: at the company status upon them, and look at where they're at in funding rounds. Wow, got it. Got it. So, uh, you know, as an investor now, how important is it to really diversify into like the, uh, the Googles and the apples and maybe some of the more cash plays versus just, uh, going heavy here into these EVs. I mean, is the EV market just a a bubble or is this really the next big thing? It's it's absolutely the next big thing, because like we said, is that,
1: the whole globe. Well, Biden just put in two trillion dollars, two trillion dollars into green energy play, as well as to just basically rechange the whole infrastructure of energy. Um, and we saw three hundred billion dollars by by China, well not China, Asia, as well as Europe, to build up the, the electric charging stations as well as hydrogen stations. They, this is a transition that the whole globe wants to happen, and EV plays will be there for the future. So you're building, you're going into a technology that is a demand. So it's smart to invest now into a technology that is predominantly essential.
0: Got it. Got it. So you, I mean, we keep hearing all these targets about 2035, you know, we're going to have EVs, mainstream 2035, there won't be gas vehicles anymore. I mean, is that just a, a, is that a pipe dream or is that, no, that's actually going to happen. What's the, sorry, what's the question? I kind of went in and out. Oh, no worries. Yeah. it just, you know the government uh, certain states already like california jersey have this goal of no more gas-powered vehicle sales by 2035. is that realistic 15 years Did we ac- actually convince our entire society to to only buy new electric vehicles rather than uh, gas-powered cars i think it's gonna be a it's gonna have a big
1: push against it because of how oh. much america we i don't think everyone has the money to pay for that but what te- it depends on the companies can the companies support that kind of transition like Tesla they are trying to make a vehicle that costs the equivalent around thirty thousand
0: dollars or less am I wrong that's that's a good point so I mean they they're, they're, they're now, what they're, I mean this twenty five thousand dollar car that that Tesla's talking about are, are, do you think they're going to ruin their margins or are they just gonna keep cutting prices over here and uh, is, is that why lucid's going with this higher end what Tesla
1: okay so in it's not going to affect their margin because they're expanding and they're going to have a higher production value. That's why they have their, their That's why they're build, building their gigafactory in in uh, Fremont as well as um, in Houston, Germany. They're having and expanding their factories. So in, in building such a such a great vehicle and such a high amount will allow them to keep their margins. So that's why they can push their price point a little bit lower and to be able to give the average Joe purchase it. So uh, I only have time for one more question before I have to leave. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no worries. Okay. Well then let's, let's leave it up on, uh, you know, what is, what's your limit on purchasing? Like at what price do you say I'm holding, I'm I'm not buying anymore. (sighs) With SPACs, every single SPAC has its own own specific
1: amount of uh, characteristics. Like mm-hmm. EV plays, I wouldn't really buy more on an EV play if it went above 35 bucks, or really depends on the DA and the LOI time frame. If the DA and the LOI time frame drops, and then all of a sudden you see its maximum spike, that's where your limit is. That's where, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not touching that there. And then once it goes into consolidation, then you'll have a pretty good understanding of, hey, this is probably where I should load up. Um, I think that upon initial announcement of in talks is a good time to add a decent per- percentage of your holding, and then you can add as it continues to grow. But on a major spike, you, and pre DA or an LOI, you should really consider yourself: is it worth my risk? In certain and, and, ways.
0: Can quickly explain LOI and and what what people want to look for.
1: What an LOI is a letter of intent and a DA is a definitive agreement and on LOI there's st- usually usually a massive spike upon it. Uh, just like micro with with uh, when there was an LOI drop, it went all the way up to 20 bucks and then it dropped back down because people want the definitive agreement. Then um, it came back down to consolidation. So okay. it really, it's your choice. It's your choice of, Hey, can I, am I ri- able to risk my money to drop a little bit and be comfortable on a minor loss or, just continues to build up your portfolio throughout the whole time period of that spec.
0: Got it, got it. How can people get in touch with you?
1: Well, I am on YouTube, Alex two four seven, as well as Twitter, Alex two four seven. I appreciate everything everyone that's listening, and I thank you very much. Meet Kevin uh, for having me here, and I look forward to doing it again sometime in the f- near future.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Alex, and uh, we will see you again in the future. Take care, bud. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. All right, everyone. There you go. Thank you so much for tuning into this. Make sure to get your free $30 with M1 finance. Go to metkevin.com slash M1. You will get $30 entirely for free when you deposit a hundred dollars. Thank you so very much, folks. We will be back more later. (laughs) Bye.